Hello, conscious listeners. Today is all about feeling disappointed in the sense where when we don't get what we want, how do we move forward? How do we stay still? How do we stay stuck? We might stay stuck. We might stay in our limiting beliefs. We might ruminate. We might repeat the piece of information that we've received that we're denying or that we're not accepting to become truth. And we may really let it get to us. And I feel like parents, like one of their biggest fears is upsetting their child. And the deeper pieces and truths to this is that if my child does not get what they want, or if I'm not able to provide what my child wants, if I'm not able to produce and to give my child what they need and what they want, mostly what they want, that's going to be triggering for me. That's going to be triggering for a caregiver. That's going to be triggering for everybody involved and most certainly is going to require feelings to be had and felt and moved through. So it's really, really easy when our child is in distress or in emotional upset to rush in and rescue them out of their feeling state by providing a solution or rescuing out of their rescuing them out of their feeling state and providing advice, right? If we provide a solution and we provide advice and we do the fixing and we do the um, we do the solution orientation, then we think in the short term that we are providing valuable assistance. And while that may be a great frame of mind for something like first aid, it's not always the best course of action for something like developing an emotional tolerance. And emotional tolerance is where you get to foster a place to give your feelings the time and space that they so deserve and are so there for. And if you've ever been in a situation where, let's say, you're used to granting access and you're used to giving support and you're used to providing all of the answers under the sun, whether that's answers to the questions, right? We kind of covered that in our last couple episodes, whether we're answering questions or we're answering problems, right? If this is something that we're used to, we may not realize the toll that it's having and the energy exchange that it's affecting us when we feel exhausted, maybe at the end of the day. We may not know to attribute that to solving other people's problems for them, right? We think we're doing the right thing. We think we're being helpful. We think we're being a caring, loving, kind adult coming in with the answers. We don't want our children to feel the pain that we might have experienced in the past, right? You can see how it's all coming from a good place of good intention. And the place that we're failing our children when this happens is we're failing our children because we're not giving them a safe place, a trustworthy container, and a valuable place for them to practice having feelings that are challenging, intolerable, or unwanted, or disruptive, 
or just simply feelings that we don't want to have and that we're not willing to admit that we're feeling and that we're not willing to be accountable for and that we're not willing to openly own and say, gosh, this is how I feel, but man, I don't like this feeling. We're not able to come from that place of direct ownership because we're fearful of even going there at all. We perceive we can't handle something like that. And we perceive that if we do lean into something so painful, so upsetting, that somehow the feeling will become worse. And I'm here to burst that bubble and to burst that myth and to say, actually, when we give our feeling the time of day, actually, when we shine a flashlight on it, actually, when we grow our awareness and turn toward it, we don't have to work as hard to ignore it anymore. We don't have to work as hard to sweep it under the rug and to to pretend like it doesn't exist within us. And as a result, you know, this is vulnerable. We may face the vulnerability of being seen and we may face the vulnerability of having to own up to something we've never done before. This could be the first time. And parents... When you find yourself in this scenario where your child is showing you and telling you that they are not getting what they want, I'm wondering how you'll be able to hold the space for them to have the feeling that they're not getting what they want, right? Because if the patterning is to give them what they want, then we take away the opportunity and we rob them from the experience of experiencing what it's like to not get what you want. And think of it this way, how beautiful if they get this opportunity at this time where you get to hold them in their experience, right? When they have the opportunity to practice this now at a young age with things that are smaller in size, think of the opportunity they're going to have and think of the skill set they're going to be able to use in relational dynamics when they're older and when they're faced with larger sized items of things that could be disappointing, right? That could be a whole host of things. And what comes to mind is when kids do not get what they want, it can feel powerless, It can feel like they have absolutely no choice. It can feel like defeat and it can feel upsetting in the sense that maybe there isn't room for them to exist is what their perception is telling them. And let's say I am setting boundaries for the first time. Let's say I'm telling my child, we can't have this. We can't do this. No, it's not going to look this way, but these are the options. When our children aren't used to hearing the no's or aren't used to facing boundaries where maybe their behavior isn't allowed in ways where maybe before it was, just know that they are pushing their tolerance to be able to handle the no, to be able to handle the disappointment of not getting that, that wish to come true. Right. 
And just know that while it may seem as though it is hard to handle, that is because usually feelings are required. So let's say I am telling my child, for example, that they are not allowed to have screen time or that they won't be able to watch their favorite show because I'm limiting it that day or whatever the case is. Well, it's likely that there's something within that that they want. You know, there's probably a good reason why they want to check out on their screens or dive into their favorite show after a day of probably not being in any, any control, right? There is an element of power and control where kids feel good about who they are and feel good about themselves when they have choices and when they do get what they want, right? But it's all about balance and balance when, when let's say things aren't going their way. Like let's say, you know, let's say something's broken or let's say something has fallen, you know? It's like you get to be the judge and you get to assess if that would be a valuable moment to practice disappointment, right? There might be cases where, yeah, you dropped your dinner on the floor and we'll get you more, you know? Like there may be cases where, yes, we will come in and quote unquote, fix it, resolve it, make it better. But in those instances where you get to decide, actually this, this choice point right here this piece of disappointment, actually, let's practice this. Let's sit with this. And again, there's no pressure to do it every time. There's no pressure to do it perfect because you will, as you've learned, be presented with more opportunities in the future. And I want you to catch yourself off guard by saying, wait a minute, this gets to be the time where we practice disappointment, right? So let's say your kid is at school and they find a really cool toy and you're there to pick them up and they say, I want to take this home with me. I want a toy just like this. I really want to keep this. You get to practice saying, I'm sorry, we can't get what we want in this situation. I'm sorry. The toy stays here. I know that you really, really want it. I see that you really, really want it. And I wish I could let you have it. I wish we could take it home with us, but actually it gets to stay here. It's going to be here the next time you come. It'll be here the next time you come to see it, you know, whatever language works for you. And it can be so tempting to say, oh my gosh, let's buy one just like it. Oh my gosh, let's, you know, Remember what this looks like and let's get the same one, you know, because in the moment, while that might seem helpful and while that might seem really kind and generous and, you know, sweet, it takes away from that opportunity to really feel what it feels like to what if not have that option, right? To what if zoom in 10 years down the road, if your child's in a situation where they're not getting what they want. And there isn't a solution or maybe there isn't like a firsthand, like 
let me pull you out of this feeling so we can just buy one, you know? Um, and you get to be the judge of that and you get to decide what's best in that way for your child. And you get to practice feeling disappointment with them and how powerful that can be. And just in your own certainty, in your own modeling, in your own body language, in your own demonstration of relaying the truth that, yeah, this sucks. I wish we could have this. Yeah, this is disappointing. The weather ruined our plans or, you know, think of things that are even more far, farther beyond your control, right? The pandemic, right? Or people getting sick or people not feeling well or not able to show up as they promised or committed to, right? There are always pieces out of our control that we can relate back to. And without blaming it on a certain person or an event or anything like that, what if we took the ownership and said, this is my disappointment. This is my upset. This is my feelings of not liking the outcome right? What if we demonstrated and modeled that as adults so that the, the children in our presence could feel the same way? I was with a few of my favorite kids this weekend and something happened like this where my buddy was making a new friend at the park and she had her best friend come in. And as a result, he didn't have anyone to play with anymore. And so what we got to do was feel really disappointed that in one moment we had someone to play with and then in the next, you know, we were dropped like a rock and we didn't have anyone to turn to and how we wished we had someone there that was just as invested in playing with us, right? And while it may seem so little, the feelings are so big and so real and more than so valid. And they get to be, they get to demonstrate and represent something so much greater than the actual event itself. And that got to be a moment of sadness. That got to be a moment of disappointment, right? That got to be exactly what it was. Nobody was creating it making it better, making it worse. We were just accepting it for exactly what it was and for exactly how it was presenting itself. And we got to bring a voice to exactly what was occurring. And sometimes you hear the phrase like, oh, the truth hurts. And it does, right? But there's still so much relief that is provided in that as an example, right? In that rehearsal in that reiteration in that verbalization of what just occurred because then we're not neglecting or ignoring any aspects and we're not brushing any of our feelings under the rug and we're not trying to change anything we're simply taking it on and acknowledging it for exactly what it was and my friend got to resource and he got to exactly do exactly what he felt like he needed to do. He found some rocks and he started crushing them and dropping them and pounding them against each other. And I thought that that was such a beautiful strategy for representing anger 
two rocks coming together and crashing at a high impact and getting to drop on the pavement and getting to exert that energy, like felt so intuitive and intelligent on his part. And I got to be there to say, wow, that was such a great idea and such a natural way for that anger to be channeled, to come out, to flow naturally. That moments later, he got to get back up and move through his process. So I want you to be encouraged to give your children or children in your care with my case, right? I want you to give your children that you are with the benefit of the doubt and give them credit for resourcing and following their intuition for exactly what they need to regulate their own emotional experience. And what this might require is slowing down as always, we're moving so much faster than the pace our children are emotionally and mentally. And I want you to give them the space and the awareness, the eye contact, like the container, if that's possible for you, because it's so valuable and something like giving permission to that moment to exist was exactly what was needed. And it got to demonstrate that in a moment where you don't get what you want, in a moment of disappointment and emotional upset, you have choice and you have impact on your experience. And like, I could have said things like, you know, it's okay, it'll be all right, right? But that wouldn't have been helpful in that moment of the emotional upset. Instead, I said things like, wow, that is such a bummer. Oh no, your friend was here one minute and next they're gone. This stinks. This doesn't feel good. I don't like this, right? Getting to say that those real feelings that are occurring are welcome here. And it's so much more than just saying it's okay to feel sad, right? Because that doesn't mean anything until we give it a voice of an example, right? By saying, wow, your friend isn't here anymore. That's sad. Or that feels upsetting, right? We're not just saying it's okay to feel sad. We're taking it that extra step by demonstrating what exactly occurred by putting language to it in a very simple way to convey that, wow, buddy, No matter what you're feeling, that's appropriate for you. But we're not just, again, saying it. We're showing it and demonstrating it. And yeah, I'm so proud of the kids that I'm around that get to resource for themselves. And it's my job to help parents help themselves resource in those exact moments where their kids need their language, where their kids are in the emotional upset and they need an adult or someone that cares about them near to help them verbalize their emotional experience. And that's all we really need. We need the connection. We need the abundance of feeling. And we need to know that we are enough as we are. So I want you to think about different ways this time different ways in your week, in your life, in your day, where you personally 
do not get what you want. And I want you to track for yourself and notice what you do to handle or to deal or to accept or to move through. Do you, are you the kind of person in the moment to accept it, to distract from it, to deflect from it, to look on the bright side, you know, like, well, it's fine because this and that, like notice for yourself when you experience something that is upsetting and disappointing. And then if you want to take it to the next level, what you can do is think about a time where your child doesn't get what they want. And if their response is correlated to maybe how you respond, or if it's different, or if it's similar, or if it's an aha moment where you're like, oh my gosh, that's totally where they get it. Um, But sometimes it's hard for parents to see if their children are a mirror of themselves, you know? So do your best in tracking that for yourself and see if you can challenge yourself to give the space and the awareness and the voice to disappointment, to not getting what you want, to being, you know, potentially rejected and feeling safer at a distance rather than leaning into what is painful and hard, right? See if you can do those things. And if you feel inspired or called to share, I would love to hear about your experience. You are always welcome to share those kinds of things. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Keep yourself accountable and allow yourself to feel disappointed. You're allowed to feel however you feel as much as you feel it and trust yourself. Don't listen to me. Try it for yourself. Okay. Take good care and I will see you soon.